Engaging Leader, Episode 188, Emotional Transparency, The Secret to Accountability, featuring Jonathan Raymond. Brought to you by the team at Workforce Communication. Find out more at WorkforceCommunication.com. Leadership inspired trust, passion, and action. Welcome to the Engaging Leader Podcast with Jesse Leahy, consultant, writer, and speaker. Jesse has helped executives engage hundreds of thousands of people. Join us now for principles to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. Welcome to the show, Engagers. Accountability. Many organizations name it one of their top corporate values. And yet, no matter how much they talk about accountability, leaders often feel frustrated by what seems like a low level of personal ownership among their employees. Things don't get done on time, problems don't get solved, and issues get ignored rather than proactively addressed before they become problems. Sound familiar? If it seems like you can't trust your team to own projects and results, how can you improve accountability? Well, today, Jonathan Raymond is going to join us to discuss how emotional transparency is the secret to conducting truly effective accountability conversations. Jonathan is the author of the book, Good Authority, How to Become the Leader Your Team is Waiting For. He joined us back in episode 145 to talk about that book. And today he's back to share with us what he's learned in the past two years of focusing his leadership training almost exclusively on accountability. Jonathan is the CEO at ReFound, a leadership training company that teaches people how to have human conversations at work. Previously, he was the CEO of Emith, which is the company behind the famous book, and that's where he led the transformation of a global coaching brand. Jonathan Raymond, welcome back to The Engaging Leader. Thanks, Jesse. I appreciate being able to come back on the show. It's been a little over two years since your book hit the market, Good Authority, How to Become the Leader Your Team is Waiting For. And what's been going on since then? You've been awfully, awfully busy. Yeah, we have. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been so interesting just to see. I feel like I've done a lot of things in my life where my timing wasn't so good. When this book came out, my timing was good. And, you know, we're not the only voice out there, but the world is really hungry for a different way to work, to want different things from leaders and managers. And so we just sort of stepped right into that. Uh, and we've been working, you know, heads down with companies big and small uh, on how to train up leaders to be ready for uh, what people want from their uh, managers and leaders in the modern world. What's the, the high level of what people want? You know, in every organization, we sort of see these three themes where employees want a manager who cares about them. They want someone who's invested in their growth and they, they want to know where do I stand? What do I need to do to improve? So they're really hungry for those development opportunities. And then at the top of the org chart, you have leaders and executive teams, C team, whatever, who want high performance, who you know have very little patience for low productivity. They have you know incredible mandates. The market is moving you know insanely fast. And then in the middle, you have people managers, sort of the vast middle of most organizations, even small organizations, right? That's who most people work for are the managers, and they're caught in the middle, you know, feeling overwhelmed. They have forty-seven different logins, two thousand emails in their inbox, too many meetings, all the typical things. And they're now tasked with this new, mysterious, amazing mandate. We want you to coach. We want you to mentor. We want you to be there for people. And so those themes we see over and over again, really irrespective of industry. You know, we work with, you know, Fortune 100 companies. We work with tiny little coffee companies, everything in between. And we see the same themes everywhere around, hey, we need a new way to talk to each other. We need a new type of conversation. 
and we've never been able to solve for accountability. No matter how many times we talk about it, no matter how many ways we phrase it in our values, we've never been able to solve for it. And so that's the that's the space that we've been playing in the last couple of years. That theme of accountability comes up over and over again when I talk to companies. And I don't know how many companies, it's like one of their top corporate values, accountability. Yes. What is the pain, I guess, that has driven so many leaders to put their finger on that as their core problem? Well, I think it's a proxy for other things, right? So accountability, when people say accountability, what they really mean is personal ownership, right? What they really mean is a feeling that, oh, this person's got this, they're holding this, they're owning it. And if there's a problem, they're gonna proactively come and talk to me about it so that we can solve it. It's not gonna disappear into a corner. The problem is that accountability, that the way we define it, it's pretty cold and bureaucratic, right? So it's very, it doesn't have much emotion in it. It's like, well, you're responsible for the thing, you know, make sure you get your things done. And it's sort of like, okay, boring. Everybody knows that, right? Like, yes, of course, that's what accountability means. But what accountability looks like in practice, there's very little good information out there. There's very few good examples. And there are very few role models of what does that mean to be accountable? So it's like any other value, if we put excellence or professionalism or grit, it doesn't matter what words we use, if we don't give people real-time examples of, hey, that was a really good example of what we mean by accountability, they don't know what to do. So that's why that problem surfaces over and over again. And then you have uh, organizations where, frankly, people are protected, right? People who are technically proficient at their job get to, get to persist and create all kinds of problems for other people and then you hear leaders saying, well, we all, we're all accountable, but everybody knows that's not true, right? Well, because he's not accountable, so why should I be accountable? So it bec- it's really a, becomes a cultural problem as a, you know, sort of as a first order, and that's where you, you have to do both. So where do you start if so many companies are asking you, hey, we have an accountability problem, help us, and they've, they've heard you either read your book or heard you speak and you say something that resonated with them. Like, I think this, this company refound can really help us address this issue. Where do you start? Well, so we start with a, we have a no mic drop policy. Uh, (laughs) so what it means is like, we don't believe in sort of coming in and dispensing wisdom and leaving and, and thinking people are going to be able to do anything with that. So we start with discovery and this is something that my team has made me a lot smarter on over the last couple of years. Um, in that we interview people, we listen, the first part of every engagement, we don't do any out of the box leadership programs, everything that we do is custom to that organization, to their values, to their business objectives. And so we start that process by listening, talking, interviewing, having listening sessions, talking to managers, talking to employees, shadowing people, you know, asking people questions in the hallway, putting up posters, doing culture activities, because we wanna get below the surface. We wanna know what's really going on not to be negative, but to be honest and to be real. And so the first phase of every engagement is to listen and to learn about what matters to the people who work there. What is, what is leadership doing that's good that they want to see more of? What is leadership doing that's not so good that they want to see less of and getting really specific about the problem? I feel like, and this I think applies to most areas of life, the reason why we have such a hard time solving what look like intractable problems is we don't spend enough time actually defining what is what are we solving for so that's we don't do anything until we first agree with our clients okay what problem are we solving specifically and with infinite granularity the part that you 
you, you just said something that surprised me. You were explaining this discovery process, and which is about listening and learning. And then in there you mentioned, and we put up posters and we lead culture activities. And uh, so tell me about that. Why? How does that help you with discovery? I would say, you know, one of the things that we, we try to be is disarming, right? It's, it's difficult to talk about what's really going on in your, in your workplace. You may have a boss who's really not treating you well or seeing other people behaving badly. Uh, you know, most people, what we found is they, they believe in their company, right? They believe in the mission for the most part. There are some, you know, some places that people don't feel that way. But most companies do a pretty good job at a high level of sort of telling their story about why we exist and what we're about and the, the value that we have. But the reason why we do those things is because you have to, you have to approach it from different angles. You, different people need different things in order to open up and tell you their truth, not uppercase T truth, but lowercase T truth. What's their truth? What is their perspective? And so, you know, giving people the, you know, if you sit down and interview with them with a clipboard, you're going to get one set of responses. But if you put a poster up and you have people, you know, you put a line on the thing on the one, on the one side of the line, you say like, I want more constructive feedback on the other side, you put less constructive feedback and you have people put stickers on the line and you, and you talk with them about where they put the sticker then uh, you get you have different conversations with people and they learn to see if you do it right they learn to see that hey these people are here because they care they want to help they're not here evaluating me or assessing me and I think that's a big part of what goes wrong with a lot of consultants is it feels like I'm being assessed and it's about my performance and it's not about that at all from our perspective it's about you know what's the pH of the water here because it's impacting everybody let's make it better yeah and I was going to ask you earlier, so how would you define accountability? You said part of it comes to coming up with a definition, and I guess I'm not sure that's the right question to ask you, or is it a custom definition for every organization? I think it's the same everywhere. It shows up a little differently, but to me, I think the distinction is accountability is actually a, it's a feeling. It's not an emotion, right? It's not like I'm sad or I'm depressed or I'm angry, but it's a feeling. You know, if you think about your team right now, you know who, who holds it from a place of accountability and who doesn't. You can work really, really hard, spend a lot of hours, have steam coming out of yours, and not be accountable, right? It has nothing to do with that, or it has very little to do with that. It's a feeling of knowing, like, you know what, I can let go of the parts of the job that that person is holding because I know that they're going to they're, they're gonna own it, they're going to surface issues if there are issues, they're going to work it through, they're going to stretch. So that's, to me... That's, that's our definition of accountability. It's not just, I do what I say I'm going to do. That's like accountability 101, and that's good, and that's important, and a lot of organizations struggle with that. But for me, accountability is that next level of stretch of ownership of, you know, just doing what's on my list in the way that I got the list, that's not that interesting. I don't, I don't want to be surrounded by people who just wake up in the morning, look at their list, and do the things on their list. I want to be surrounded by people who go like, hey, what's not on the list? <laughs> and how can I do what's on the list more efficiently? And how can I create and what conversations do I need to have? So that's accountability. So I give you a really long definition. No, that's good. That's our definition. And what is emotional transparency and what does that have to do with accountability? It, it goes with that feeling, right? So if I am in conversation with a colleague, one of the things that we see managers and all the way up to and including the CEO what we see managers do over and over again is they give feedback, they talk about things like accountability, but they don't include themselves in the conversation. They don't include their what they're feeling about the situation in the conversation. 
So they don't say things like, hey, I'm a little concerned about this, or I'm a little frustrated by that, or I'm worried that we're not thinking about these and these things. Because most people have learned that I'm not supposed to talk like that in the workplace, but that's, ex- <laughs> but that's exactly how you need to talk about it, how you need to talk in the modern workplace. Because that's, well, first that's emotional transparency, but that's what people want. They want to know where do you stand? What are you thinking? What's on your mind? How are they doing relative to your, your criteria? And by being emotionally transparent, you not only do you give them that information, but you take the guessing out of it. And what most leaders and managers, the vast majority don't understand is when you don't use those words, and on the flip side, when you don't use the positive words, hey, I really love what we did here, or this was really excellent, or this was a great example of X, when, we, when we're not specific about how we're feeling about what we're seeing, people are gonna make up a story. And their story is gonna be wrong, because it's not, because you weren't explicit about what you were feeling or thinking or sensing, even if you don't have all the data. And so that's that to, to us becomes, and we've seen this happen, the light bulbs go off over and over again in workshops where people go like, wow, that's what we're missing. We're, it's not informational transparency. It's not, you know, how many units did we sell in which quarter? And like, that's not, that's fine. That's not a bad thing, but that's not, that's what I would call informational transparency. That's not actually what people want. What they want is emotional transparency. They want to know where they stand. How can I do better? What did I miss? How, where am I uh, in the eyes of this organization so that I can develop, so I can grow? So that starts with the leader being mindful about what am I feeling in this moment? Yes, and being willing to be wrong about what you're, being able to say, hey, I'm concerned about this, parentheses, maybe I don't need to be, I'm open to having a conversation, but it's not like I'm concerned about this and therefore that's the truth, but it's like, hey, I'm concerned about this. Maybe there's no reason, maybe I'm misreading it, maybe I don't have the data, Maybe you see it differently than I do. I'm open for conversation, but I'm going to start by being real with you. So you've, I think, identified some some types of conversations that leaders should have with employees to use emotional transparency and, and drive accountability. Can you tell us about that? Well, the main tool that we uh, teach is called the accountability dial, which you probably remember from, from Good Authority. And we, the way, when we bring this tool into organizations, uh, we train it so that it's a tool that you, as a manager, you would use with direct reports. It's a tool that you would use with your peers, and it's a tool that you would use to manage up. Because conversations are conversations, people are people, but situations change. And so what the accountability dial is, is a five-step map, basically, for to see where am I in this conversation? Is this the first time I'm bringing it up? Okay, well then maybe it needs to have these qualities and these are the types of questions I should ask. Or have I brought it up before and I need to revisit this conversation? That's a different stage. Uh, Are we having a sit down conversation where we need to get more into some of the business impacts and personal impacts? That's a third stage. Are we at a place where we need to set boundaries and we need to create consequences? That's another stage. Are we at the end, right? Do we need to let somebody go? Do we need to change, you know, whatever? That's another stage of the conversation. Or, you know, and so regardless of who I am, I can use that lens to, to locate because what we experienced and the reason why I wrote the book, because I had the same problem, is I, I knew there was a lot of conversations that I need to have, but I didn't feel confident in having them. And what I realized after we started working with these tools was, well, the reason why I was uncomfortable is I didn't know where I was. I didn't know, I didn't have a map for where am I in this conversation? I don't know where to go next. What if they say this, what do I do? And so those are the tools that I think are really important because we're moving so fast, we live in such a high-tech world, 
we're in our keyboards all the time. So when we when we look up, we it's not that people don't people know they have to have conversations. They know that they're skipping those conversations. But we've got to give we've got to make it easy for them to go like, okay, I get it. I'm gonna I'm gonna take my fingers off the keyboard. I'm gonna walk down the hall. I'm gonna talk to that person. But you've got to make it easier for me because if it's this big, scary, anxiety-producing, they're going to get defensive. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to go back into my email, uh, and the organization is going to suffer as a result. So, what's if you're a, if you're a manager and you've got a situation where you feel like there's an accountability gap, like this this person is not doing, not coming through, not owning it. I'm I'm feeling worried, and maybe I've even I've already tried to express something at one point and what's do you have any tips for that manager that's a little bit frustrated right now yeah so i would come back to that conversation so i would say you're still at a kind of a level one and i would go back to that person and say hey look you know we've, we've talked about this a little bit um and i would start by saying look i haven't followed up with you to to really figure out where this is at but i realize i've been i've been kind of hanging on to it a little bit and i want to i want to restart that conversation with you there's there's something that I'm noticing, you know, on, whether it's on these projects or whatever it is, whatever the content is, um, and I, I need to know where you're at. Like, what's what's going on for you? How, you know, talk to me about what you're seeing. Maybe I'm maybe I'm not seeing it accurately, but we got to move forward on this. So I would say that's a stage one, kind of resetting the conversation. Uh, but don't let it, don't let it sort of implied in your question and, and in my answer is the one thing not to do is leave it. Don't leave it alone. You got to come back to it. And in that conversation, sort of, how do you maintain that emotional transparency? You maintain it by naming it, by, by, by actually using the words, hey, I'm, I am a little bit frustrated or I'm noticing myself, you know, feeling a little bit like, um, you know, kind of edgy about this topic or, you know, I've been, you know, I've noticed I've been, you know, whatever your language is, I've been kind of going home at night and I've been thinking about it. And I, and I know myself, like, that's probably not a good thing. That probably means that means I need to have a conversation with you about it. Um, and you can say things like, you know, hey, this is a little bit uncomfortable. I'm sure it's uncomfortable for you. Or, you know, there's a lot of other things I would rather do today. But, you know, I feel like it feels important that we sit down and talk about this. Whatever you need to do to kind of self-regulate to help yourself get present in the room and one thing that I always recommend is taking a couple of exhales. It's like the simplest, cheapest <laughs> best tool you have as a manager is, you know, walk down the hall and see if you can follow your breath, the exhale of your breath three times in a row and don't have the conversation until you can do that. Yeah, that's good. And then, I, I mean, the way you presented that seemed like you were owning your feelings. You weren't just dumping on me and blaming me for how you're feeling and you're take, having a good heart. It's with curiosity, I guess. Well, and that's, you know, to the thing we talked about earlier, the reason why accountability is so difficult, even though it's on everybody's values list, is that people don't embody it, right? So what we just walked through was an example of a manager actually embodying accountability. Hey, I'm owning, this is how I'm feeling about it. I'm owning, this is what I'm seeing, but I'm willing to be moved, right? I'm not, it's not my way of the highway. You've sent a very, very powerful social signal, interpersonal signal to the person that you're working with. Like, hey, this person's got an open mind. This person's owning their stuff. And if you own your stuff with me, I'm much more likely to own my stuff with you. Hmm. And you're the leader, so you got to go first. We've been talking to Jonathan Raymond, and the book is Good Authority, How to Become the Leader Your Team is Waiting For. Jonathan, where can people get their hands on the book? Where can they learn more about you and your company and maybe uh, take some steps forward with you? So uh, good old Amazon.com uh, <laughs> in every format, hardbacks, paperback, audiobook, 
MP3, CD, if you want to go there, um, you can buy it for your local library. So it's got all of all there. It's also, you know, Barnes and Noble and I think it's in airports right now and some bookstores, uh, other, you know, other big retailers. Um, so that that's usually the best place for people to start to see, hey, is this the right fit for our organization? It's the, the best sort of consolidated view on our philosophy. Um, and then beyond that, our website is at refound.com. That's like rebound, but with an F. <laughs> got some tools and resources there. You can schedule time to talk to someone from our team and talk about what it would look like in your organization. And I would just say, you know, the the organizations that tend to find us are going through change, right? So they're scaling, they're going from, you know, 300 to 500 employees, they're going through expansion or a lot of acquisition and there's some culture challenges or they're, you know, very large kind of Fortune 1000 companies who who have been doing L&D for a long time but are looking for something new some fresh ideas, those tend to be the types of clients that um, our material works works the best with. We've reached the end of this episode, Jonathan, but this has been such an intriguing conversation, and I know our listeners would love to hear additional practical tips about how leaders can apply emotional transparency effectively and help cultivate accountability in their organizations. So we'll plan to have you back very soon for a part two on this topic. Until then, Jonathan Raymond, thank you again for joining us on Engaging Leader. Thanks, Jesse. Have a good day. You too. All right, Engagers, that wraps up this episode. We'll provide the information and links that Jonathan mentioned on our show notes for this episode, which you can find on our website at engagingleader.com forward slash 188 as in episode 188. This is a production of Workforce Communication. We're a team of consultants and creatives using the power of communication to help organizations enhance the well-being and performance of their people. My colleagues and I partner with mid-size and large employers to attract top talent, fully engage employees, and achieve superior business results in several areas, including employer branding, talent management, wellness, benefits and compensation, business transformation, and more. Find us at workforcecommunication.com. Our thanks to Cecily Leahy, our producer, James Marler, our sound engineer, Rick Tarrant, our announcer, and Max Brody, who composed our theme music. Until next time, remember, in the 21st century, the real movers and shakers aren't just leaders, they're engagers. 